Okay, so let's talk about marriage. But let's talk real, right? So, what's the issue with marriage? How do you feel about marriage? Not your marriage, how do you think other people feel about marriage? Do you think people are like, it's all wonderful, rosy and dandy being married, it's great? Doesn't make sense not to be married. Yeah. At some point you go to be married. And then right. No one thinks about it. You get married and then you start thinking about it. Okay, so what's what's the biggest challenge to Shalom Bais? Money. Social pressure. Let's talk about Women. Social pressure. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest challenge is your wife. <laughs> How do most guys feel? How do you handle when you're married? How do you handle a um, a stress, a fight, a worry, you know, uh, a squabble. What? If you could hold out, if you could talk it out, you'd be okay. Right. You might, 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 might take some time. So what blocks you? Not you, what blocks people? Ego. Ego, yeah. And how do you overcome it? Yeah, I think for speed. It's poison. Bitful. I'm just throwing out words I've heard you guys say. I'm going to ask you this question. I mean, <laughs> I, was, yeah. okay, just, I would not have believed it, right? I want to be part of the, like, the big... So then get married, okay? Come more often Maybe get married, and then you'll be part of the boys. So, I mean, uh, you know, if you would have asked me when we started, if I would thought this was a possibility, I would have said, no way, no chance. But right now, I mean, we have an organization for marriages that don't work. Basically, and right now we are at uh, 600 kids. And I mean, okay, granted, 15 to 20% of them is made by Hashem. Um, but the other. Orphans. Right? <laughs> single parent kids. So. After divorce. Kids from single yeah. parent homes. Kids from divorced homes. What do you mean by that? Primarily. 15%. They were, they were missing. Oh, okay, okay. Right. But, um, and it's only growing. Right. Now, it's, it's that, that's crazy. That is an insane number, if you think about it. And um, it's only because we haven't touched, we only touched a fraction. So what's, should we discuss marriage? Should, does anyone not want, should we not discuss marriage? Or should we like? Where that's where we want to go. That's where we're here. Okay, so what's the number one thing you want to learn about marriage? That think not you, that people want to learn about marriage. Don't ever talk about yourself in a public forum. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the friend. I think, I think that the, the question really is, how, does, how, do, how do you really achieve unity and, and working together to build the right home where you both are coming from different backgrounds or some extent, 
come down. You can come in. Two different types of people, two different backgrounds, man or woman, completely different. Emotions and, 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 and uh, logic. How do you pair this together to be able to really kind of right. work together and create this amazing thing? Right. And how do you handle when, I mean, I'm assuming that guys who have in this shul in particular probably come late home sometimes. Right now. <laughs> not late to show. It's not late if you set a precedent that you're not home before 1.30. Right. Or if you, you, you talk you know, in the day, you talk in Shabbos, because today I can't. You mean in general, like every day? Yes. <laughs> How do you handle when you come home from shul late? Yes. Yeah, and when you come, yeah. your wife yes. is standing at the door, like. And maybe she has. Um, yeah, uh, we don't have this problem. No problem. No. The women are here usually. I mean, yeah, my yeah, my wife is here. He came home like. Three o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. That's he chose his shul. He chose his shul in Israel. Chose to pass Shabbat in Israel because that's when they start their program. And that's why the title of his book is "My Life in the Gulag." <laughs> yeah, not really, but okay. <laughs> Somehow it doesn't work in America that style of living. No. I mean, no, you know, so the wives are here. The wives are late. Also, so perfect. Not all the wives. I think it's us. We're the issue. Meaning what? We set them up. We give them this ability. Mendel didn't let his wife dick his wife. He, he was so MS about what he believed. If somebody's MS about what they are, meaning if you go to Shabbos, Mithamire, if you go to Sedarn, you do whatever it is, the wife knows who you are. She's not going to stop you. You mean she's upset because what were you doing in Shul? You came late and bothered. Like, you were there because why? Because you were drinking, you were enjoying this, that, well, I'm waiting. But if right. you talk like they're Mendel, you come an hour before davening, and you're here wow. learning. What? She doesn't mind the hour before you. davening. I know, but then she knows that you're already that that's what you do, so she's no, okay with you I'm coming saying. home an hour after. So remember, can do it. So that's a trick that, that we was use. Who he was. <laughs> Not just everybody can come at five thirty in the morning. That was just today. Normally, yeah, it's eight. It's, it's a level. Easy. So I, I, I want to throw. I'll throw you something into the mix, right? I mean, so I, I, um, I teach as part of what I do. And I teach in, I mean, this Shabbos was great, I've got to just tell you. This Shabbos, I've never, I, I, I can't remember the last time I had a Shabbos like this. I sat, we opened up a yeshiva down the road here. So I came into the yeshiva and, um, and I was the Rosh Hashiva for Shabbos. And I haven't been to Yeshiva for Shabbos in whew, 25 years, give or take. And to spend Shabbos with Bachrim and they all listening and questions and all that, it's it's main it's, Elam Like, stay away from Balabatim, you know what they say? Sorry for Balabatim, wonderful people. But come with the Bachrim, they just, they're innocent and real and they like, and the whole, like Friday night, I was like, I, I couldn't believe what we were doing. We came into, you know, 4.15, whatever, we davened, and then there was uh, an hour and a half of Seder. And then after that was Seder Nigunim, and after that we started davening, and after that we sat in Fabreng for three hours, you know. Like, you don't get to do that as a, as a Balabas. 
But anyway, I teach uh, girls primarily. That's how it worked out. So when I start the year, I sit down and I, uh, I walk into class and I've come to realize that if you teach and you don't ask people what they want to hear before, you're wasting your time. You could waste a whole year because what you teach and what they're hearing are run in two parallel lines. Meaning they're like over here and you're over here and you're teaching something and there's no connection whatsoever. And the only way to change that and bridge the gap is very simple. You ask, what would you like to hear? So it's like a strange thing to, the, to students when you walk inside and you say, um, what would you like to hear? And they're like, what? You actually want to listen to me? You actually want to hear what I want to say? That's fascinating. So I teach in two places. Uh, one is Beis Rivka Seminary. So that's one type of kid. And the other one is uh, Beis Yaakov High School. And that's another type of kid. And they're very different. And when I asked the question, what would you say is the number one thing that teenage girls are going through? <coughs> yeah. Of uh, all what? the questions, I have hundreds of pages. I have 120 students in seminary and 60 students in uh, Beziaka. And I have stacks of pages of all the questions that they pose to me. And when I summarize the number one issue, what would you say is the number one issue that teenage girls from all, if anyone's there, they're from, 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 settings and backgrounds and ideas. What's the number one question you think they're asking? The number one feeling they're having? Sneeze. Marriage. Marriage, sneeze. So free. Uh, what? <coughs> Boys. What? Children. What's the number of, I got hundreds of questions. I wrote them all down. I took all the papers. <coughs> I wrote down all the questions. I put them in topics. I put them in whatever. And then I took what's the number one theme that's being asked by teenagers nowadays from teenagers? Does God exist? Let me tell you what it is. I'll summarize it for you in an extreme case. But I don't think it's so extreme. But there's a real case. Um... A girl comes over after class, we're sitting in the class, and she comes over, she says, can I ask you something in private? And you know, the kids left, we're on, sitting in the classroom, and she looks and she says to me, I come from a, a very good family, and when she told me her name, I don't know anyone, anyone's names, by the way, when I teach, uh, it's just like, too many kids to know. It's also better that way. And um, she told me her name. And I was like, wow, I know your family very well. And um, great family. And she said, yeah, my parents tell me that I have everything going for me. And I should just, just be, just accept how amazing you are and how incredible your family is. And um, you're amazing. You're going to have the most awesome life. You can find the best shidduch in the world. Everyone's going to, all the guys are going to want to go for you. And you'll find yourself an amazing guy. You'll have a great family. Everything will be unbelievable. And she says, and I really want that. And I want to believe that. But you want to know what I really want? I don't know why. I don't know how to help myself. And it's probably good to know this if you have kids and you're raising kids. She says, I don't know why, but this is the truth. 
all I want is to be dead. I want to be dead. And what? Is what? He wants to know if he's smoking. I want to be dead. I'm too scared to activate something and go do it. But what I want is to not be alive. My existence hurts me. Living is painful. Too much pressure, like too many expectations. And when you look and you follow all the questions that they're asking. Happiness. I, I, I summarize that it's happiness, yes. But I, I summarize in one word, which caught me when one girl said it. She expressed herself like that pain. in one of the questions. Pain. What? Pain? Yeah, it's all pain. They don't know the she has a good life. What I, she has <laughs> every reason in the world. It's like so perfect. Pain? Existential. It's existential pain, yes. It's amazing. It's like, what, what, what is the pain? Now, what grade is this? What? What grade? Um, 14. Oh, yeah. 14. 14 year old? No, grade 14. What is uh, that? Uh, what Seminary. And, like 18, 19-year-olds? And, yeah. and Twitter iPhone. <laughs> and that's a harsh thing to someone to ask. This is the most popular thing. And the most popular question among both. So one is, I got older seminary girls and younger um, 11, 12th grade. Most popular question is, I feel worthless. That's the most popular question. How do I get myself to not feel so worthless? So they'll pose it in many different ways. When a teenager will tell you, I feel anxiety every time I walk out of my house. I'm worried about anti-Semitism and I'm worried about being killed and I'm petrified and I don't know how to stop myself and everything is scary in the world. And I don't know how to find any comfort. And some of them, I, I, I don't think on social media, they, their social media may be in the air. I don't think necessarily they're all on, I mean, the ones I, I, I don't, everyone's got social media, but they don't have officially. Right, right, right. Much more, you know, hurt by all the things they've seen in mm -hmm. many, many ways. They say like, one of the crazy cases, like, um, not really quick, crazy numbers. Yeah, that's what it's about, and it's a very like it's a very empty, and they have everything going for them, everything going for them, and there's still this feeling of emptiness. <coughs> now imagine that someone, not you, gets married to one of those girls. Well, I'm wondering, because I, I didn't get a chance yet. I, I don't know, I, um, so if you ask boys that question, will they even, boys are less forthcoming with expressing how they feel. But I'm going to ask you that question, not you, because you know, when I ask the question to the girls, what I do is I let them write it on paper. They don't have to say it in front of people. They write it on paper, and you can write on the question secret. So if you wrote secret, I'm not going to say it out loud. And then they feel like they have, um, you know, Trust, in that sense. Because otherwise, if you say just ask the question, they're not going to, in a public forum, ask the real question. You won't hear it. Right? 
Yeah, the main question is, I feel empty inside. Empty, worthless, I feel dead, like not wanting to be alive. This is the first time in their lives that they're being asked. Yeah, I'm actually being asked the question. And then I'm like, yeah, are we going to... So all the other things, when you say boys, the question will be posed in that kind of way. Right? Boys make me feel good. So why shouldn't I talk to boys? Like finally something makes me feel worthwhile. Right? When you... What? Exactly. Someone takes notice of me. And the question of tzniyas, you understand it in that context. Why should I be tzniyas? Has a lot to do with I'm getting my sense of feeling worthwhile and special from putting on clothing of another type. It's all external feelings, boys, dress, all those things that come from right. outside. Right. But I think that has a lot to do with um, when you get married and you're wondering why your wife's upset at you because you came home late. Maybe you've got to understand a lot deeper as to what is going through in her life and what that means when you came late to her. You didn't just come late. You, like, maybe, you know, went much deeper than that. Ruined everything she believed in. So what's the biggest issue among the guys? Is the question. Double the <laughs> That's some, yeah, that's crazy stuff. Yeah, I don't think it exists like as, as the dominant. Like, maybe I mean it exists obviously. But. I think they just like yeah, I don't know. Well, let me go a step ahead. <coughs> How many guys here who are married actually have a relationship with your wife. What do you mean by relationship? <laughs> <laughs> meaning, <laughs> meaning, <laughs> meaning, not talking about a physical relationship, I'm talking about that you actually know each other, right? Because it's interesting that in Torah, when you get married, so when Adam and Chava got married, what's it called? They knew each other. They knew each other. Adam is Chava Ishtoi. Yediyah is to get to know. Now, Yediyah is a, is a very, it's a euphemism for getting to know, but it really means that. It means getting to know. So it means, are you married to the other person? Like you say, when you get married, you're just getting married because it's a social thing to do. But do you actually know the other person? Like, let's take an example of where marriage happens, right? So, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example that comes to mind. The guy was telling me that he was in bed. His wife was, was in bed and he walked in. She was lying in her bed and she was on her phone when he came in. So, what did he do? He said hi. She was still on her phone. So he did the next thing which a guy does, and that is he got into his bed and went onto his phone. And then she 
asked him how, after a while, like she was trying to draw his attention. But now he was busy. You know, he was very busy on his phone, watching whatever he was watching. And so he said to her to wait. So he's like, and then she like, you just don't care. You're not interested in me. And he was like, I'm not interested in you. I mean, I, I said hello when I came in. I was trying to get your attention and you were busy. So now I'm busy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be with you shortly. Like, it's okay. And between that and what happened next, all hell breaks loose. And my extended family got a few more kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it's, it's really like, um, it's, it's an insanity. But can you relate to that question? How would you handle that, that kind of situation? Yeah, that's all ego also. That. So what should you do? Thank you, Mike. That's all the time you said. Right. In one way or another. So I don't understand woman, but now what? I have to be married to one. Now what? Once you acknowledge that, you're ready to step forward. Because I don't understand her way of thinking. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not acknowledging her way of thinking. It means that I'm not trying to understand. So I'm just... I have to kind of go along with it to make it work. So she's telling you, get off your phone, now. You need to get off your phone. Oh, you know that she's going to get over it. How should you relate so that it actually, like, doesn't flare up into a fight? That's what you did. Oh, my, Moat said he's married to his phone, so he doesn't have such a phone. Oh, perfect. You marry your phone, you don't have any problems. Uh, problem free. That's why you have no only realize if we have, like, how much time we actually spend on the phone, like, we look up at our kids, we're going to see, the kids are going to be growing up by the time we, like, stop looking at the phone. You could, you could yeah. just put and a signal jammer on the bed. I know, that's the problem. The problem is not the phone. The problem is the head and the heart. Then you would... She was on some social media platform. Probably he was on some social media platform. What if you don't get home till 4 a.m.? What's the number one antidote to feeling worthless? Getting attention. What? Getting attention is the opposite. Getting, getting recognition. Yeah, look at that girl. It comes from a good family. I mean, I'm sure she got attention from her parents. Um, <laughs> How do you get attention to your kids? What? How? Sense, sense of, of life. Life. No, no, no. What are we trying to guess? We're trying to. We're trying to figure out what is the best way to react in a marriage in a way that keeps marriages intact. Because why is everything falling apart? What's with all these marriages falling apart? So. People don't want to work on them. What? It's a throwaway world. It's not, it's not a work yeah. on them. It's it's does anyone have a good Sean Bice case, like a scenario of something that happened? Very simple. Just talk about it. Good. What do you need to talk about? But in the heat, she says to you, get off your phone now. I want to talk now. Okay. And you're like, don't tell me what you feel like. Okay, so this is something she did Correct. But I cannot fix her. Right. 
So what do you do? What I can do is telling you this way does not work for me. If you want, I should put it on my phone. Say it in a nice way. Does that work? Have you tried that? Yes. And it works. She says, "Sure, I'll say a nice one." Again, not the first time. <laughs> <laughs> After a few trials and errors. You, you think you can change your wife? You no, you see, this no, is the problem. I'm not trying to change my wife. I can have my boundaries. When my wife talks to me a certain way, she knows that I'm not going to listen to her because I have my boundaries. Yeah, guess who's wearing the pants? No, you see, they're not this <laughs> Not this way. Right. So here's the thing. You're the guy running the house. No. no so she needs to understand, and you should understand your kids or whatever. But there's something. There's an ingredient in the house which needs to be. I don't feel it's right that everybody's the man is running the house. That's why my brother makes it good. It's a hundred percent shit of a husband Agreed. But there's only men around here. There's only men here. Huh? There's only men here, so we're talking about men. I know, but we're, no, we're talking about women. This is the problem. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that it's, it's the same answer. Everyone, every girl is wired different. Every guy is wired different. might be some similarity. My wife, she reacts to how I am. Um, I do the right thing. I do the wrong thing. She's wrong. She's very much... I can almost know when I'm going to be in trouble. How does this work? Like the idea of the dots, like the man like gives off like the energy and the woman. I feel like most, most women, unless they're the really right. powerful ones that want to run everything, they follow the husband. The husband leads. And if he's doing the right thing, they're going to follow in his footsteps. Right. If not, then they're not. Well, not. Basically, a woman raises the kids. That's what she's home. There's one, there's one super... There's one super powerful ingredient that you might want to deposit into any relationship. It's the most unbelievable ingredient and it's the most difficult thing ever to be able to deposit. And the moment you can, the moment you can um, train yourself to keep doing this, what's the three words? I'll tell you the ingredient and I'll tell you the Torah behind it. So, Rabbi, maybe you bring up this beer. It's okay. We're no, getting the ingredient for marriage. But I wish someone would share, if you have, does anyone have a good, like, actual scenario 
of Shalom Bayis that took place by someone else that you can think of? Yeah, yeah, because obviously you're asking for a friend. What? You know. How detailed do want? Details. So his friend. My friend. Yeah. His name is John. No one's allowed to repeat anything here. What is the question? Something that comes up a lot. We're actually getting a real scenario. Disagreement in how to treat our kids. And I don't want to go too detailed because I don't feel that comfortable, but that's like something that comes up a lot, like which approach to take. So let's say she wants to be more stern with the kids and more forceful. <laughs> and when someone does something, okay. <laughs> so the guy wants to be more forceful with the kids and just get the job done. And she's like, nah, it's all good, it's all fine. Do whatever you want, wake up when you want, do whatever you want, all good. And then keeps on coming about because she keeps on saying, let's do it this way and I want to do it the other way. Right. Yeah. That's a disagreement then. How do you resolve this agreement? Um, it's not always resolved right away, but the only way that it works for me is when I'm able to like take a step back and like tuck my ego really far away and just... So basically shut your whole mouth up and finish and then we're solved, problem solved. Yeah, more or less. But then you keep on getting upset. And every so often you're like... And then there's like I'm a... getting better at putting my ego away, slowly. His friend. Yeah, it's obviously his friend. It's no, it's me. It's okay. Great. What do you mean? It's very normal. It's always... Uh, this, yeah. So how do you deal with the discrepancy on when you both come from different families, different belts and chunks, different approaches to how to deal with kids? And this is a very common problem. Right? How else has it come about? Give me another example. Same problem. Problem. Same issue. It's not about putting my ego aside. It's I really believe. You're my principles. She's wrong. That the kid should be brought up a certain way. Right. It's not like we're Might arguing be. over where to go for dinner. Right. Um, whatever. Even if I believe that, I feel like it's more disagreeing on Right, but you're not putting your ego aside. You're putting your whole foundation of whatever you think of Kenneth. I actually have yeah. this a lot. Right. Which might not be the right thing to do. It's okay. Right. Because it's not about your ego. It's about your way of how you look at Kenneth. No, so we're, the, the, one of them is that for me is that we're trying to like... So you have a bunch of rules, right? Like never fight in front of the kids. No. One second. Like never fight in front of the kids. Don't do it publicly. Right? Argue afterwards. Agree. Exactly. It's not a problem. As long as they know it's healthy argument. Exactly. That they don't fight. But what happens if after a while they start to fight? Because you start that way in life and twenty years later. That's a problem. But the argument is not an issue. Kids see we're human. Kids no, my kids think that I'm like superpower, by the way. My kids think that I'm like a super. What does that mean? You know, I, I'll tell you, I spoke to a guy. I spoke to a guy who gave me the following scenario. He said he was walking. The guy tells me this case. 
He said, I'm walking with my wife and we're walking on Shabbos, on Shabbos afternoon after davening. We're strolling together down a main road on the city where we live in. Um, and as we're walking down, suddenly, she, he says, I don't even know what she wanted, but she was bothered by something. And the guy tells me like this, he says, I'm not repeating what he's saying. I, he's like, well, he describes to me the scene. He says, she, she suddenly in the middle of the street starts screaming at me. And like, she is showering me with, um, in the middle of the street. Hands? No hands, no hands. But I, I wish she was doing hands, it'd be much better, over and done. Verbal abuse. She's screaming and shouting at me. Now I'm looking at the guy. And um, I said, you know what? I'm just like imagining for him. I said, you're a guy who, um, you're a very, very powerful guy. <laughs> this guy runs company. He has hundreds of people working for him. Managers of all type. I watched him in his office when I came to his office. And he's sitting over there and like, the whole world is bowing down to him. Because he created a world around him. And in, in his world, everyone bows down to him. Meaning, if you don't bow down to me, you, you're, you're straight away out of my world. So he's sitting over there and um, like, he sits, you know, I watched him in the office. His secretary comes in right away, what do you want? He's got meetings and, and he's got these powerful things. And he walks into a room and he commands power. He's that type of person. He said, wow, you command power in the whole world except for one tiny little space, which is, it's like, you know, when I come home, the one place I just want to feel at home, in my house, like I want to feel at home. I come home, and that's the only place where I suddenly lose all my power, and I have this, like, someone just screaming at me. And I can't, like, I'm like, so let me imagine. So you're sitting in the street, standing in the street over there, and he says, I didn't, I don't say one word. I never, ever, ever respond. Not in anger, not in nothing. Later on, I come to my wife and I say to her, Jens Bracha, you can't do that. It's embarrassing. And you just uh, calmly, as I said, as calmly as ever, you can't do that. It's not working. And I said, wow, it sounds amazing. So, like in the, so. That never happened again. He says, <laughs> more kids in the he said, I'm not saying anything. I don't say anything. I said, yeah, but you don't say anything. But you don't need to say anything to be talking. Someone be talking so loudly, you don't say a word. He said, you know what I say? <laughs> when you're sitting over there in the middle of the street and you're looking at her and you're like, your mouth is shut. But the energy that you're sending back to her is an 
angry and frustrated and stressed and mad and resentful. Without saying one word, it's primarily your eyes that say it all. And the more your eyes talk, the more upset she gets. And you can't resolve problems. He's like, yeah. <laughs> so what's the solution? Because when I have a worker like that, it's simple. Fire. <laughs> You're going to pay some money, whatever, no problem, whatever, okay. And then I'll fight her in court, and it's done. And uh, very often, many people do that to their marriages when they can't take it anymore. Isn't that what's going on? Something to that effect? So you raise an example of where the kids are the disagreement and the kids. It boils down to the same thing. You're seething with rage inside sometimes. Yes. And, you're, <coughs> and you know you're right, of course. Always. <laughs> but it doesn't make a difference if you... If you I mean, I, you're joking about it, but you really do know you're right. <laughs> you really believe it. And so you're genuinely enraged. And so what it does is it chisels at your marriage. It, like, it, it breaks it apart time and again. It destroys the whole foundation of the marriage. Ruins everything. Because there's these ill feelings going on between you. And the more enraged you are, imagine she's feeling worthless. Now put those two together and figure how you get a marriage out of that. Not like it doesn't work. I was thinking of this older couple. <laughs> you think older couples, once they're married for 50 years, they figure it out. But really, they just <coughs> have more uh, staying power. <laughs> 50 years doesn't mean anything. So <coughs> this couple's arguing because they want to go visit the grandchild. And one of them, the, so the guy tells his wife, no, can't visit that, that grandchild anymore. Forget it. She says, don't tell me what to do. Of course I can visit my grandchild. It's also your grandchild. Why can't we go visit? And having this argument, and he says, can't use my car. And she doesn't have a car, so you can't go. And she's like, what? Tell me what to do. And again, you see what happens? There's a rage and a break and a rift that takes place between the two of them. And it's a problem. How do you resolve the problem? <clears throat> so the first marriage, well, before I tell you about the Torah, is the actual answer. Here's the answer. What's the answer, anyone? I think you said it before. Shmili was about to say it. What's the answer? You said you had the ingredients. The solution. What's the answer? Uh, you said it. All yours. I think it's... Uh... Working so. No, it's yeah. Not, it's not about you. I think it's, you have to know how to, what the roles are in the relationship. What do you mean? We always think that uh, they have to give us, and they have to understand us, and they have to talk nicely to us. It's not like that. Rather? Right. So we have to, no. Submission in some cases. Rules of understanding that they will never understand you. You just, you just got to do what you have to do the right thing and uh, give, them. give them, exactly. That's very esoteric. Yeah. Very what? Esoteric. The real issue is... That's a big one. Word of the day. Is that word esoteric? How does it sound? 
The real issue is that you're married to her so that she can solve your problem. Which means that she can give you a feeling of to be valued. You're looking to her to give you a sense of your worth. And so when she gets angry at you and screams at you in the streets or disagrees with you or whatever it is, you get upset because you lost your value. What would happen if you don't need her for your own sense of worth? No person should ever need another person to feel a sense of worth. They shouldn't. So why do we? We don't. Correct. Ego. I'm upset that you're being a gay in my covet. Right. How do we change that? In other words, I get it. I get the point. I've got to feel valuable myself. Okay, so I've solved the problem. Done. Now I'm feeling self-value, feeling worthwhile. Good. Problem solved. When someone else can't control themselves, they won't get me upset. I right. get upset. But that's awesome if you can do that. What if someone is stuck and they can't do that? Yes, he told me this, that I choose to get upset or I choose not to get upset. Correct. That is 100% true. The trouble with all this thi- these things are, is that it's like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to feel valuable myself so that I shouldn't get mad from someone else. Which means, imagine that <coughs> when your wife screams at you, you don't take it personally. You see a problem that needs to be solved. And you look at her and you're like, okay, it looks like you're upset. And then you try solve the problem for her, which means, which means, if you, look what happens in a marriage, if you're not comfortable in your own skin, so then I'm not myself already. I'm not comfortable. So I'm looking for you for worth. When you're giving me when you're giving me grief, so I right away feel enraged, and so I fight back at you, and I send the rage back at you. And then the woman's like, what on earth just happened over here? She doesn't get what happened. I'm upset. Want to know what the ingredient is? It's very simple, and it's the most difficult thing in the world. If you master this, you'll always have a successful marriage 99% of the time, barring the impossible. And that is? Huh? Exactly. Listen. Listen, and that's it. Listen, and just listen. And don't take it personally. What? Meaning? If you're listening, and you're listening to help the other person, not listening to the other person, and then I, oh, I heard you're mad, so now I'm mad at you for being mad. Right. In order to listen, in order to listen, you first need to get comfortable. Right. Right. But how do you do that? So I want to show you how to. Right. That's the important part. How to. Right. But how do you become the soundboard? So we all know that, right? That's a cliche. They all want you to listen, but I don't know how to do it. Let's try talk about how to listen. How do you get to listen? Here's what happens. Okay, watch this. Ready? 
We're talking about marriage over here. Let's take that scenario. She's upset. She's screaming at you on the street. And she's really, really, really... She's enraged at you. What do you do if you are feeling the rage from what she's saying? What should you do? You're feeling... You can't help it. She sent a feeling at you. She's screaming at you. How, what are the chances you could sit down and have someone scream at you and you're just quiet? It's not happening. You don't walk away. Don't ever walk away because you're married to her. What's the difference between a wife and a roommate? The one you can walk away from. And just to put it out there, you can't get divorced. You think you're divorced. Divorced people are more married than, than married people. There's <laughs> so much going on between them and everything's a fight. They talk to each other and everything's, everything's a fight. So basically, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Here's how you do it. You listening? Okay. We want to successfully get up, right? What does it mean to get up? I want to hold myself, stand in my power. So how do people get up? When you want to get up, how do you get up? If I'm sitting down, want to tell me the art of getting up? Push something down and get up. Exactly. What you want to do is you want to find the table, which is a hard surface, and the floor. Put your feet on the floor and your hands on the table. Push and you get up. But if you're in outer space, you have no way to get up. Always, the clipper, meaning the antagonism, the problem in your way, is always the solution. The problem itself is the solution. What you want to do is flip it. Right? So which means, as David Amalek says, from my enemies I become smart. So what you want to do is take the very problem you're dealing with and flip it. Here's how. You try this out. And it's hard work. I'm telling you now. It is hard work. But like, we don't like hard work. But if you don't do the hard work, you'll have harder work. So take your choice. What you like better. When someone screams at you, before you respond, take a look at yourself. Identify what just happened to me. And it's okay to take your time and you feel the feelings that are going on. Don't deny the feelings. Don't fight the feelings. Sit with the feelings. And you want to be able to have a good vocabulary. The better of a vocabulary you have, the more, in other words, the better, was better English, you can use Yiddish also. Sometimes, you know, there's certain words in Yiddish that just don't have any way to be expressed. But whatever it is, the more crystal clear you are about the feeling you have. So don't say, I'm mad. Mad means nothing. I'm resentful. I'm disappointed. I'm humiliated. I'm insulted. Those are words which have much more meaning. So look at how you feel when she's screaming at you. And you say, I'm really, really, really insulted. Now you don't need to yet say anything back to her. You just need to be crystal clear on how she's making you feel. Because when you are crystal clear about it, you have something to push yourself up. See, what we do is, we live a whole life never admitting with clarity what we feel. So basically, she says you're, she screams at you, so you're mad, so you're right away like, and you thrash about and you're answering. And how do you expect things to happen that way? 
your spouse is your best there's nothing that's going to bring you closer to Hashem than your spouse no friend can ever get you closer to Hashem you could have 4,000 workers and hundreds of friends and no one's ever going to bring you as close to Hashem as your wife only your wife that's why Zohu Shechina Beinayim translate Zohu Shechina Beinayim what's Zohu? They merit. But Zach, Shem and Zayit Zach. Crushed. Crushed, refined. Lezachech. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Because what happens is, in a marriage, and that's why marriage is the most difficult thing in the world. Because marriage is someone who's antagonistic to you. And the more problem you have in your marriage, well, the more God believes in you. So watch how you do it. The more problems, the more God lives in. The more refinement you need, basically. And it's so easy once you understand how to do it. It's the simplest thing in the world. You just keep on forgetting. That's what's going to happen. I'm telling you now. It's not like you'll know what to do now, and then you'll forget. And that's okay. That's because God made us human. We've got to just come back to it and keep on working it. And here's the truth. Even once you know it, and you're very crystal clear on it, you just become better at doing it. But you never solve the problem. Marriage is always going to be fun. You're just going to get better at it. So what you want to do is exercise what we call bitachon. Security? <laughs> Trust in Hashem. But, so watch the process. She says something, right? And she makes you mad. Don't run away from the feeling but you want to crystallize what you're feeling at that moment. Don't fight. Don't argue back. Just identify what you feel. And once you do that, now you know what you want to pick yourself up from. You want to build a relationship with God, right? So what do you want God to do for you? We, like, we have this abstract relationship with Hashem. But there's three partners to a marriage. There's you, your spouse, and the Lord. And it doesn't sound like Hashem makes it when you get married and kids. It's every moment of your life. You're like, okay, there's me and my wife, now bring Hashem in. And then it works. That's called Zohu Shechina Beneim. It's not if you merit. If you work it, if you refine yourself, the Shechina is there. So how do you do it? So she says, you low life. And you say, I feel humiliated. Say to yourself, I feel humiliated. And then, and then, after you're crystal clear on what it is you want to rise from, don't judge the feeling. The moment you say, I don't want to feel this way. Why do I have to be married to such a witch with a bee? You know, like, why? Why, Hashem, did you do this? Why? And that's exactly when it fails. That's the Yetzirah, you're in its clutches. Can't get out of the clutch of the Yetzirah. You know what the Yetzirah does? The Yetzirah is called WWW. They used to have that. Remember the olden days in the internet, you had to type WWW. So what does WWW stand for? World Wide Web. The Mitzvah Rebbe explains like this. It says, spider webs are made in a fascinating way. How you make a spider web? The spider, she lands down in the middle and she has this web. This, it's like, it's spectacular. When you look at it, you, you know, human, we just go like that, punch through it. That's, you know, chutzpah. It's, it's a very intricately woven web. And there's all places to run away to. So what does 
<coughs> the, the spider do. She gets in the middle, she weaves the whole thing. When she's finished, she goes to the corner of the web. And then she stands and she watches, watches, she waits. And Nebuchadnezzar, poor fly, doesn't realize it and goes zoop and flies in and gets stuck in the middle. What does the spider do when the, when the fly gets stuck in the middle? The answer is nothing. He says, flies can figure it out on their own. Like, let the fly do all the work for me. So what does the fly do? He tries to get away. If he was smart, what would you do? Same thing you do when a bear approaches you, which is the opposite of what you think you should do. The fly should just stand there and wait and wait and wait and play a waiting game. And then maybe when the spider comes to get you, you stand a fighting chance. Instead, the fly, no fly has ever been taught this in fly school. So, um, yeah, he just starts jumping around, trying to get out, and it's all sticky. And the more he jumps and jumps and jumps and thrashes about, and after a while, he gets so tired out. And then the spider's like, oh, thank you, gulp. That's how it works. That's how we are too. Something happens in the marriage, and you go, you're jumping about, you're thrashing about, why you upset me, and you mess it up. And then what happens? Well, watch that, thank you. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess. Black Widow. That, that's, that's what happens. That's the sad reality. What's the way to overcome it? Be a smart fly. Go to fly school. Which is? No, it's not that. Don't shut up, actually. On the contrary. Instead of shutting up, it's stand in your power. But this is not a cliche. This is work. What? No, 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 no. Not think what you say. Think what you say is too easy. Think what you say. Okay, I'm really mad, and I'm going to think what I'm saying. Okay, you just upset me. And you say it in a very nice way, but you, you, it doesn't help. What do you mean stand in your power? You don't know. You have to work it. Stand in your power. That means find how the Abishta is with you. If it's easy, he's not with you. What you need to do is download elokus, godliness, into your system right now. You want to download the power of the Abishta into you right here, right now. Right? So how do you do it? You identify crystal clear the feeling you're feeling. What are you feeling? Okay, I'm really enraged. There are probably more feelings than that. There's probably, every time she does that, there's probably like seven or ten different feelings that you have. And the more you have the ability to identify and crystallize what you feel, the more power you have. Now you got it, now get up. What does it mean to get up? Now say, whoa, this feels helpless. Okay. Abishta. I don't see any way out of this. I don't see any solution over here, but it appears to be lost. But I'm a Yid, and I believe in you. At least I think I believe in you, but I'm taught all these things about Kriyas Yamsuf and Esramakois and holy things and Hanukkah, whatever, but I don't never seen God in my life. What's more impressive? If God can make the sea split, or if God can make your marriage work. 
See, split, <laughs> big deal. What the water split, that's fine. God could do anything. God can make my marriage work? <laughs> that's impressed though. Because only I know like, how impossible the marriage is, how much of a miracle it is, right? So you get the feeling and you've got to crystallize it for a simple reason. Because you, you need to be clear on what miracle Hashem is going to do for you now. Right? And you got to write it down because you'll see afterwards when you watch the miracle happen, you're like, oh my gosh. And when you tell the story afterwards, people won't understand the story because they didn't, you can't, you can't tell a story unless you got just how helpless the situation was. Just exactly how much anxiety it brought to you, how, much, how impossible it was. And when you realize how impossible it is, then, then you're open to the revelation of God that's about to take place. And now you daven. What does it mean you daven? You say, Almighty God, I am lost. Here's why I'm lost. Because I'm feeling the following feelings. Do you get how the feeling is the blockage? Right? The feeling is what you daven. Right? The Alter Rebbe has a beautiful marshal like this. He says, when you light a fire, so somehow we know with fire it's very easy to understand. When you want to cook food, Right? You light a fire and then you bring the food onto the fire. But what would happen if the fire is here and the food's there, even a little bit removed? Right? So then it doesn't work. So he says, you've got to bring the thing onto this, otherwise it causes indigestion. We can learn Torah and do mitzvahs and somehow it causes indigestion. Judaism causes indigestion to many people. It gets them to feel, um, it traumatizes Jews. That's what it makes them feel. Trauma from religion. That's the situation nowadays. You know why, you, if you say I'm traumatized from religion, that's because the Torah, which is bread, lechem, needs to be cooked, baked on a fire. So how do you bake on a fire? Well, with fire and bread, it's very simple. You just bring them like that. With your life, you don't know what that means. What it means is, fire is the feeling in your heart. The bread is Hashem coming into your life. So what you want to do is take Hashem coming into your life, but it, like, align it with a fire. So the fire is, I'm enraged. Now put God on there. Now the two are together. So what you want to do is crystallize the feeling. Whatever's going on in that moment when you're feeling it. She says that you're, you're, you're mad because she is treating the kids with just everything you don't believe in. So instead of fighting it and saying, oh my gosh, why is she not listening to me? Sit there and say, I'm feeling, I'm feeling unheard. I'm feeling unappreciated, I'm feeling disrespected, it's probably very powerful. And, like, you can't say I'm feeling my opinion doesn't matter. Can you see that? I'm feeling that my opinion doesn't matter, there's no fire there. Right? You're not feeling that your opinion doesn't matter. If your opinion doesn't matter, what are you feeling? What would you say? Neglected. Humiliated. See what, what, what a fire is? You got the difference? When you say, I, I'm, I'm, feeling that you, you don't, I'm feeling you don't care about me. No fire. I'm 
feeling uncared for, it's maybe a fire. I'm feeling um, maybe lonely. I'm feeling abandoned. Those are powerful fires. And once you got the fire, now you know what to dive in for. Now you turn to the Almighty God who you believe in. Everyone here has emuna, and you bring down the emuna into your situation now. And you say, God Almighty, I know you are with me now. <sighs> download it. You see what downloading means? You know when like the one phone, the other one, they're not working? You download it. And you see what it means? You're not fighting the feeling. I'm in the web. I know exactly where I am. I know what it is. And I know that no spider has ever been able to fight any Jew. Because a Jew has God. The only problem is, when the Yetzirah gets in his way and causes this web which blocked you. What's the Yetzirah? The Yetzirah is like a, a, a huge mountain. But what does it say? The Gemara says, Nid kehar. He looks like a mountain. Vos izer be'emes. What he is, is wax. He's a mountain of wax, like a hot air balloon. Poke him, light a fire, and he's gone. Have you noticed that? Once you identified the feeling, you won the war. As soon as you said, oh, I'm feeling humiliated, you already won the war. Now you come to Hashem and you say, Hashem, help me out. There's two parts to every tefillah. Watch how Shemone Esrei works. Shemone Esrei, you ask Hashem for a bracha. For example, Hashem, please cure me. Baruch Hashem give me parnasa. How do you end off every request? What's the last part of every request in Shemone Esrei? You say, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. What's Baruch? You know what Baruch means? Hmm? Draw down. Spring, the source. Yeah, but it means to draw down. In our terms, it means download. You ask Hashem to give you parnasa. Never end off the tefillah in a space of neediness. End off the tefillah and feel how, of course, if you ask Hashem, He's giving you. That's called bitachin. I asked Hashem for cure. So I feel, I download that Hashem has cured me. You have to download it because we like to feel lonely and abandoned. And it's very difficult for us to accept that Hashem actually cares. Like who says He cares? Why does He care? Feel Hashem's, feel Hashem's embrace raining down on you. So Hashem, I'm, I'm really humiliated. You have to breathe hard when you say that. Otherwise it doesn't work. You have to really feel it till you feel it. Don't say I'm humiliated and done. I'm humiliated and feel it in your bones. And then turn to God and say, Almighty God, can you please enter me and help? Help me. And after you ask Hashem for help, feel Hashem's power. Feel, you breathe in. Hashem, you're with me. And you'll see how much power you'll get just from doing that exercise. That's called Trachtgut. Trachtgut means feeling, thinking, the moment of good, not thinking that it's going to be good. Tracht gut. And then what happens? Bet sein gut. Now you are poised to go back to your spouse after you're standing in your power. And what do you do? What are you going to respond now? She screamed at you in the street, humiliated you, and you feel like a lowlife. What are you going to say now? 
What do you think you're going to say if you're not angry? If you see her screaming at you in the street and you're not the slightest bit angry at this point because Hashem took you over, what are you going to say? Never. <coughs> oh, you're ready for marriage. <laughs> Don't say I love you. You want to say, again, before you say the words, let's just see what, what you want to feel for her. My darling, it looks like something's really bothering you. Now, heaven help you if you say that in the wrong tone. <laughs> <laughs> so every time something's wrong, she can yell. When someone's yelling, when someone's yelling, they're mad, they're upset, they're enraged. Of course you're validating it, she's upset. One second, one second. Do you ever yell? All the time. All the time. What do you want, what do you want to happen when you're yelling? What? Right. You like the boss, and then lighting a cookie. This, this is lighting fires, which is also good. Anyone else? Instead of constantly thinking of the fire. You're saying avoid the fire. Yeah, not only I'm taking the example. If you start doing this when fires happen, fires won't happen. Fires won't happen as much. If you are the, the more you do this, yeah, but, you, but, but the, the best time to do it is when you, are, when you pick yourself up from the middle of a, of a problem. When the resent comes about. You get it? In other words, let's say, let's say, let's say we're sitting in this forum. That's the best point to come up when resentment's coming about. That's when, that's when it gets activated. But you need to learn before how to do it. You need to, basically, if you don't daven... You don't want resentment is the worst thing happening Correct. Let's play it out while she's screaming, right? Yeah, hundred percent, a hundred percent. Don't. The problem is if you say that only every ten minutes of being something that's something bothering you. Yeah, like yeah, the past ten minutes I'm yelling you. You don't understand what's bothering me. That's what I'm saying. It depends on the tone. That's to be the first minute, not the first ten minutes. Let me replay. Let me replay that for you. See, see how it works. The way you said it now, correct. It sounds. It sounds condescending. It doesn't work. But try this. She's yelling at you. It has to be the first minute, not the first ten. No, it does not. It does not have to be the first minute. Watch. She's yelling at you, right? So, you just sit there and you, you're taking it and you just feel and identify what you're feeling. Now, usually the way fights work in a, in a marriage is you brood and sulk. You know, you go to your cave and like you're not talking for the next two weeks, that kind of thing. So, however long you need to go in your cave, you get better at it. You go in, into your cave and you feel whatever feeling you're having. Once you've overcome that, and you feel, and you're no, longer, you're no longer humiliated and stressed. Do not ever talk when you're feeling the feeling which is bothering you. Wait some time. It will take you a few minutes until you cool down. And you only cool down, you will never, ever cool down if you say, wait till you cool down. That doesn't work. So where does a few minutes work in this conversation? The few minutes is after you felt the feeling, but and you identified it. I'm walking you through it. She's yelling. She's yelling. No, 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 no. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It's not yelling. A guy doesn't yell at you and walk away. Yelling in a marriage takes like days sometimes. It could take a, an extended period of time. A whole evening it could take. <laughs> 
what I'm saying. What? You got to put that color on. You got to put that color on. So, it can take minutes. That's what I'm saying. Not only minutes, the yelling can take minutes and forget about it can take minutes. Right. You want to, you want to feel, to try this out once, okay? In the, in the thing, once you see it. Once you felt the feeling and you're no longer, you're no longer upset, now you come over and usually the way you're going to do it is, now again, you have to be, you could be you did something wrong, right? If you came late, you did something wrong. You have to accept that. But what you want to do after you're not, when the feeling is over, that's the key. You want to come over and you want to look at your wife and you want to say in the right way. Usually it's going to be very slow and, you know, deliberate words. And you're going to say, my darling, I'm not going to be so much what's bothering you. It, it looks like I upset you. And it looks like... Um, and think about how she made you feel. How you made her feel, sorry. Think about, identify now her feelings. It looks like you felt disrespected. It looks like you felt humiliated. It looks like you felt all this. The more you can crystallize now for her how she feels, right? What's going to happen? You're going to do the same thing she did for you, or that, that you did for yourself, for her. Yeah, now, if it's not the right reason. What? If it's not the right reason. If you're going to say that she, uh, um, then she'll say to you, that's, that, that's no, all. Usually, usually when a, if this happens, she's going to get more angry. Don't try to figure out why I'm angry at you. And the boys are listening, right? No. It's it's you're just listening. I'm saying it feels like you really are angry. angry. It feels like that's you're... It. Right. No, it feels like... No, 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 because. You want to... It's not a because. I thought you were saying that um, I feel that you're angry at me or resentful at me. No, 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 no. no, no. So you're missing the whole you, point. Something is going on with you. I don't know why. Once you go into details and start figuring out why, what's going on, and you know, you don't only for why. It's not only for a why, there's a what. And much of the time, you won't get the right feeling. But when you don't get the right feeling, if you have a good relationship, she'll tell you what she's feeling. She'll, you'll work your way to get the feeling. Sitting on the fact that you said that it takes a couple of days. It heard of a day, it does it. Let's say, I think most people are thinking about an argument when your wife yells at you. Then you don't have like that much time to like, get into your God space and stuff like that. So they're, I think everyone's understanding timing. When you get good at, when you get good at this, you can do it right away. When you're not good at it, right? You know? Not good at bringing God into your they don't want you to tell them why you're Yeah, my wife is shorter than the one that's talking about. They're having a bad day. Somebody's bothering them themselves. I just want to say to you. Yes. Hold on. She's like, I'm not asking for your opinion. I'm just talking and I want you to listen. Listen carefully. That's exactly what's true. She wants you to listen and not give your opinion. You know how you listen? Oh, very hard. You mirror. That's how. You have no agenda on your own. You solve your own problems between you and God, and then you just listen to the other person. 
and you just listen without an agenda. And when they say something, you don't try solve it, you just mirror what they said and you get them to identify what they felt. And this is a simple art of negotiation. When you're negotiating in business, many times you're negotiating, whenever you're negotiating something, when you're negotiating with a terrorist, how do you negotiate? Don't, don't tell him what, he's trying to, you know, <laughs> this guy wrote a book about negotiation with terrorists. Yeah, exactly. Repeat what he said. Repeat what he said, but without, like, with absolute looking to understand. I use this all the time. It's, um, it's my ridiculous. When you're talking to people, I used to answer people questions. Understand. Then I realized after a while, stop answering anyone's questions. Just listen to what they say, and they know the Just answer listen. themselves. But be a good mirror, and no one does that for you. And when you mirror that, marriages are solved, for the most part, again, once you master this art. In case you think you come in tonight and mastering the art, it doesn't happen in a second. It takes time. Don't give up. People feel worthless. Do you know why they feel worthless? It's a problem nowadays. It's because there's so much going on in the world that's, that's telling you you're worthless. <laughs> Everyone and everything is telling you you're worthless. You can't help it. Right? Because once upon a time, who are you competing with? In the shtetl. The other... 450 people in the shtetl. That's who. So if you were the gvir of the shtetl, you were the gvir. That's it. If you were the rav, you're the rav. The next rav is, you know, miles away and days of, of traveling to get there. So no one's ever bothering you. You don't have that problem. But when you live nowadays, you're competing with the whole world. And you can't help it. You're getting the news coming in your face. And news is never news. It's always... It's always propaganda. propaganda, exactly. It's trying to get you to feel a certain way. And it's never good. Right? And you're seeing other people, they're doing something just so innocent. Like they're just going on vacation. And they go on vacation. That like prompts you to want to need a vacation. You can't help it. If you're a human being nowadays, you can't help it. So what it does is by you, it creates a void of feelings. And when your kids tell you you're feeling worthless, listen to that. That's the biggest issue. I think it's by men too. And how do you resolve that? Well, if you have a marriage between two people who are feeling worthless deep down inside, that's why you're going to get so many divorces. You want to undo it? Give yourself a feeling of fullness. How do you get the feeling of fullness? You have to counter the insane feeling of emptiness that the world is pushing at you all the time. And it's a feeling. You want someone to fill, fill your void. And no one can fill your void, only the Almighty but you have to allow them to fill the void. And that's called tracht gut. Tracht gut means everything, every message in the world, every single message, including from your best friends who mean the best for you, are saying to you, tracht schlecht. That's what they're saying. Because he has this, and the other guy has that, and the terrorist, for a reason. Can't help it. How do you get to a point where you're content and happy in where you are? So it's the Avaida of Midois. So I was saying before, there's a, who's the quintessential marriage in the Torah? It's Yitzchak and Rivka. You look at each one of them, it's fascinating. What does Rivka mean in English? You know what Rivka is? Rivka is a word. Rivka means a team of animals, of oxen. A Rivka in Hebrew means a team of animals going together. So when you have a wagon and you're pushing the wagon with your four oxen, 
or three oxen, that's called a rivka. So the Alter Rebbe explains like this, Balatanya. He says, why is she called uh, a rivka? So I'll tell you why. Because <coughs> how do you push oxen, right? Well, this ox pushes to the left. That ox pushes to the right. So they have to figure out a way to get together and to move together. Your feelings are the oxen. They're animals. And your feelings pull you. Ever had anxiety? It's a left feeling. Ever had depression? What's that? Down. There's a right feeling. You know what that's like? Addiction. Passion. And you don't know what to do because you come and you have to take that whatever it is. Substance. And so there's these feelings that pull you in that direction. What you want to do is sap the energy out of each feeling and use it as your guiding ox to go forward. That's the goal. Because no one ever moves forward unless they have a feeling. If you never had anxiety, you never go forward. If you never got depressed, you never go forward. If you never had an addiction, you wouldn't go forward. But you don't go forward, you go left or right. How do you get to go forward? When you sap the negative energy out of the feeling and you draw out the elokus, the godliness in the feeling. How do you do that? Simple. Every time you have that feeling, I feel addiction now. I'm feeling right now very needy. I feel the addiction, right? Now, you feel this tremendous urge to go do something stupid. Usually it's accompanied with many other feelings, like feeling depressed and low and all the other things you have there. So, get in touch with yourself. Identify what you feel. And after you have a crystal clarity on what you feel, without any judgment, meaning, I feel this way because I saw my friend went on vacation and therefore I'm jealous and I'm feeling that. No. All you want to say is I'm feeling jealous. Just crystallize what you feel. I feel jealous. Okay? I feel jealous. We always try to run away from it. If someone tells you, you're just jealous, what would you say? I'm not jealous, I just, I just want what he has. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not jealous, like, why can't I be on vacation right now? Thank you. It's not jealousy. Right. Okay, why do we always, why do we run away, yes, why do we run away from the feeling? It's amazing. We had a Fabrengen once in my shul, by the Kiddush. It was an amazing thing. So we were sitting down, and there was a real Fabrengen going on. Some of those that are real, like, it took off. You know, sometimes a Fabrengen takes off. So one guy sat there, and he says like this. He says, I'll tell you what happened. Years ago, he says, I built a house. It was the best house, the, you know, at that time. It was expensive. So I built a house for one and a half million dollars. When everyone else had $300,000 houses. I built for a million and a half dollars. That's Khashiv. He says, and I felt Khashiv because I got the nicest house in the block. A couple years later, a friend, a good friend, on the next block, decided to build himself a house. But he's building now a $2 million house. So, wider, bigger, <coughs> all the amenities. Huh? <laughs> this was in a while ago, when they were still able to get you something. And, um, 
And he says, and then uh, came the Friday night when my wife tells me they're having an oneg for the Hanukkah Sabais. Let's go! And he says, I, I, I push it. You're telling all the guys. I push it, felt my hands were shaking and I felt sweat all over. And I said, I can't do it. She's like, why? I'm sick. He's on Pasha, sick. And I wasn't joking, I was sick. And he says, you know what I was sick with? Jealousy. This guy's real. He's like telling all the guys, sick with jealousy. So one guy sitting next to him says, that's so stupid. Like, come on, you have the nicest house on your block. You can't enjoy the nicest house on your block. You have to look at the next guy on the next block because he made a nicer house than you. Seriously, big deal. And it was a powerful moment. The guy turns to him and he says, you think I'm stupid? I get what you're saying. That was my problem. Intellectually, I get it. But I was jealous. So what should I do? Get the problem? Some guy pulled out the Kuntra Sechotso, the Rebbe Rashab, where he says, he writes there, he says, that, he says, a great example, he says, you can have a guy who's the biggest Rav and a Tzaddik, and everyone looks up to him. He's like, like the, the epitome of, of piety, of, of uh, you know, a chosid and a tzaddik and a lamdan and everything he has the best. And he looks like, like he never has any mid of jealousy ever. And the Rebbe Rashab says, except, you know what happens? One day, one day, a bigger tzaddik enters into town. Tzaddik of Pichagas or Pichabar? Someone who's just also able and a good guy. You know, it's not a good guy. You know the Baal Shanta story. There was a, the Baal Shanta has a whole story. There was a guy who used to stand, at the, it, was a, it was a holy man who was an Onov, the Onov von Stott, Onov of Minsk. He used to come out, out, of the, out of the mikveh every day, every Friday, and he used to sit outside the mikveh when he came outside and all the people used to come over to him and say good Shabbos to him. And he say good Shabbos. He sat on the stone they all said good Shabbos. He used to eat once every evening. He used to eat one little thing or whatever, and that was it. And he was a holy tzaddik, and everyone respected him. And the Baal Shem Tov one day came, and uh, he said, take away the stone where he sits. So Friday night, Friday afternoon, the guy came out of me because no place to sit, so he didn't sit down. That week, he died. And he said that he was living off a clipper. He was living off... The stone was, like his whole piety was that people were giving him this respect. Take away the stone, the guy died. Rabbi Rashab in this kuntra says, he says, this guy looks like the holiest guy in the world, but really what's, it, what's making him holy? The, the sense of respect that he's getting for being holy. And when someone else comes next to him, the klal, the rule is, kol uman you can't stand people who are more successful than you if you're in the same business. Which means if you're a Rav, you hate Rabbanim. <laughs> That's the truth. You love all the rich people. You love all the doctors. A doctor hates doctors. An engineer hates engineers. Klal Godel. It actually is true. And um, so the guy says, what should I do? I felt jealous. Because this guy, I'm asking you how to get out of the jealousy. And you know what the answer is? As soon as he said it, that I felt jealous, and he's like, don't deny it, I felt jealous. Now it's like, 
Wow, so I'm human and I feel jealousy. Someone says you feel jealous, you say, yes, I feel jealousy. Now what are they going to say? Cornered. Because now the clipper is just like, and Hashem, I'm asking you for help. I don't know how to handle my jealousy. I don't know what to do. I have a yetzahar. The second you admit it, you're allowing God to take over. And it's so powerful how the Abishta comes in. That's what Rivka means. Rivka means <coughs> channel the animal. If you feel the anxiety, you allow yourself, I feel the anxiety, and then you strip it of its power. I feel the jealousy and you strip it of its power. Now what you discover is that the animal inside you leads you forward. That's the Balatanya's Maimer. It says Rivka is the best way to go forward. Your animal leads you forward. Which means the anxiety, the worry, the jealousy, all those bad feelings, they are little energies that are spurring you on. And it's amazing how full we get when we get that. It's like we're, we're not allowing our feelings to express themselves. And as a result, it's so harsh, it's so tough. Because if you're always fighting it, you feel so worthless. When your kid comes home, right, and your kid says, I don't know, I hate school, I can't stand it, and whatever, and you say, what's so bad? Come on, I mean, it's not, I get it, it's bad, but it's okay, it's whatever. <sighs> Seriously, the kid's upset. And you didn't get it. I was once driving in the upstate, in like Rochester, and past there, on the way to Niagara Falls. I was driving with my daughter. I was driving for, it was a seven hour drive. So I was driving the whole time, and, um, and my daughter decided, you know, she asked if she could take over, she just got her license. So I was driving for hours and hours and hours. We stopped at a gas station, I switched, gave her the wheel, she started taking over. We get them back on the highway, we're on the highway for about 25 seconds, and the sirens are blaring behind her. And she looks, she's like, hands on the steering wheel, no cell phone, seat belts on, not speeding, and what am I doing wrong? She says, what am I doing wrong? I said, I don't know. The cop comes out. He says, you know what you did wrong. She says, no idea. He says, um, I was giving a ticket to someone behind there. and I'm an emergency vehicle parked on the side of the road. So uh, you're supposed to go to the other lane. And you didn't. So there's points on your license and, uh, and a ticket and whatever and all that. So he gave her the thing. And she was so mad. <laughs> so we're driving on and she looks at me she says take the wheel I'm not driving it she says this is ridiculous why does Hashem do this to me like I didn't do anything wrong you drove for 7 hours if you were driving for that 25 seconds it would happen to you but I said yeah I would have I, like, I would have noticed it and she was so mad and I was still you know so what do you do so I said okay okay it happens fine get over it it's okay you know and then like, <clears throat> and she said, why is it all, all the time to me? And why, why can't you have been driving? I said, I don't know. I'm so sorry I wasn't driving. What should I do? I'm so sorry Hashem does it to you. But you know, I was explaining to her how things happen in life. And they're very difficult. And um, you've got to learn to live. And those are the knocks of life. And if you don't learn to handle the knocks of life, there's much worse things. And you should say thank you to Hashem that He gave you a little thing. Don't worry, we'll get a lawyer. He'll get you just the money without the points. It's fine. We'll figure that one out and whatever and all that. And I'm going on and on and on and about it. And let me tell you, the fire was just getting stronger. <laughs> so 
So we went to Niagara Falls. It was probably the worst vacation we ever had. Because, um, yeah, the house was insane. But the next day, she came over to me and she taught me the biggest lesson of my life. She says, we came back already home. She says, can I just give you some advice? Like, how to handle if, I'm, if I say that kind of thing to you. I said, sure, love it. She says, if I'm angry and I'm upset, don't tell me what to do. Why don't you just feel the pain with me? Nail story, right? Hmm? Famous nail story? No, what? Uh, the nail Right. But you see how you can't do that because all I'm seeing, when I saw that. Go ahead, say it. I'll tell you, by the way, Ramanga Futavas said that um, he says the Mishnah Perkyavah says. That Shiva Dvarim Begoyim, Bechacham, Shiva Dvarim Begoyim, right? Shiva Dvarim Bechacham. So what's a, so the, said like this? Chacham, Amasha Leishama, Oimer, Oimer Leishamati, right? So he says so if that's the case, Chilufein Begoyim. What's the opposite of Begoyim? Chacham is Amasha Leishama, Oimer Leishamati. What he didn't hear, he said I didn't hear. So what's a Goyim? Amasha Shama, Oimer Shamaiti. What he heard, he says I heard. Fekte Savosi Shlecht. What he didn't hear, he said, I didn't hear what he heard. I said, I heard. So what's wrong? I heard it. He said, I heard it. He said, if someone tells you, as a chassidish ha to tell you, and you say, I heard it already, that's a goylem. Listen to the ma'isa again. So go ahead. Do I have to respond again if I've already seen it on WhatsApp? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Get off those chats and say No. Right. But it's a good, it's a, a cliche until you learn how to do it. You can never help someone if you haven't helped yourself. When she told me this, I was like, wow, that was amazing. So the whole time, I was thinking to myself, this is the honest truth, why did Hashem give me this, you know, teenager to have to deal with? That was my question. The whole time. And I was like, how am I going to find the Shidduch? <laughs> that kind of question, I'll be honest, it does going through my mind. That's the truth, right? She's happily married. And Baruch Hashem, and it worked out, and amazing, and she taught me the lesson. But you can't fill someone else's needs until you fill your own. And that's what Rivka is. Rivka is that we go forward using our feelings. So we allow the feelings to push us forward. But see, feelings come... And there's got to be a right, left, and a middle. At least three. <coughs> Chesed, Gur, and Tiferes, which are your three animals that lead you forward. So whenever you have a crazy feeling inside you, or you have a crazy spouse, that's not crazy. That's how people go forward in life. If you wouldn't have any anxiety or any desires, a.k.a. addictions, you would never go forward. You would just stay put. That because our feelings go crazy... So you're able to push forward. And it's the greatest gift God gave you. Which is why 
get this pot. Who is Rivka married to? Yitzchak. What does Yitzchak mean? Laughter. So, what makes you laugh? Tzchoik, what was he named, Yitzchak? Tzchoik Osoli Elikim. Right? Now, there's two names of Hashem. There's Yudke Vavke and Elikim. What's the difference between Yudke Vavke and Elikim? Nature and beyond nature. Yudke Vavke is revelation, Elikim is concealment. Right? Elikim is Gematria Hateva, nature. So, you would think that Tzchoik Osoli Yudke Vavke. That when, I, when Yudke Vavke is revealed in my life, I have Tzchoik. Why are you telling me that Elohim, which is symptom, which is concealment and hiding, makes me laugh? Makes me delight. Right? What's the answer? The answer is, whoever wants to watch a movie, if there's no villain. Whoever wants to play a computer game, if there's no fellow who's trying to attack you. It's not fun. Whoever wants to listen to a child, to a to an adult speak. You want to hear a baby or a parrot speak. That's fascinating. We like the shift, the challenge, the transformation. There's a, a sun and a sheath. Hashem Elikim. Yudke Vavka's revelation. Elikim is concealment. Hashem Elikim. Concealment makes you laugh. Revelation doesn't make you laugh. Whenever something happens in your life that's a concealment, if you can feel the concealment then accept it and say, identify what's the elikim. Elikim has permutations, different things of how it expresses itself. It's always going to be a feeling of, I'm lost, I'm finished, I'm humiliated. That's the elokim. That's Hashem hiding. Now what you do is you say, Hashem elikim, I'm bringing you down. And that's funny. It's laughter. It's exciting. There's nothing more exciting then there's nothing more exciting than when, you, when your wife screamed at you and afterwards you see how, oh my gosh, this stuff works. I felt the feeling. I, get it, I got it and I just helped her. And then like, the problem is solved. What happened there? And then you realize that tzchoik also li elikim. You just came the most unbelievable delight. It's exciting. It's fun. It's unreal. And you realize that Yitzchak and Rivka are married. Because Rivka, who knows how to control her feelings, gets married to Yitzchak, and the two of them get together and they create the most beautiful bond ever. True, his name is not Tzchoik. What's his name? It's Yitzchak. Why is he called Yitzchak? Because it's futuristic. You don't get the full delight till Mashiach comes. You don't really solve the problem, and there's no problem at all till Mashiach comes. When Mashiach comes, then the problems are solved. Until that time, mm, it's a lot of work. But every time the problem comes your way, you realize that, you know, it's like the, the Bach says, the Bach, you know the Bach? Zaydan. What's his name? Come on, you know. Rabbi Yoel Sirkish. Rabbi Yoel Sirkish is a Bach printed on every, every tour, right? On the side of the tour, you know what the Bach says? <laughs> The Bach says that it's a minag. I don't know if you want to try this minag. But the Bach says minag Yisrael. Minag Yisrael is that in every Jewish home, there's a fight and shalom bayis before Shabbos. Oh, that's a minag? He says, the Bach says that there's always a fight in every Jewish home before Shabbos. You know why? You know why? 
because Zokter Azai, because Shabbos is about to say that Shabbos is so holy that the Yetzirah can't allow the Kedusha of Shabbos he can't allow it to descend in the world just like that without a fight. So the Yetzirah says, let's do something to block the power of Shabbos. How do you block Shabbos? Simple. You make a fight between the husband and the wife. And when they fight, the house goes crazy. That's like the same idea as like a Ksuba the Yom Tigra. You're making a wedding, and every wedding there's a fight. In the Ksuba, something goes wrong. Before Shabbos, before Mashiach comes, the biggest challenge is, as the Bach says, Shalom Ba'is. The biggest challenge is, your wife is your greatest, greatest gift and your greatest connection to Hashem. Because if you can succeed, no one else is going to challenge your this. Any negotiation, you can walk away. Well, it looks like it, but your wife, you can't walk away. And if you successfully get through that challenge. That's right before Shabbos is the most difficult time because the Yetzirah knows that this is the biggest thing in the world. And the second you overcome that and you succeed in successful Shalom Ba'is, it's hard work. This is not easy. It's hard work. But if you allow yourself, Yitzhak and the Rivka to get married, you allow the success, then you usher in a beautiful era of Shabbos because we're, we're not... Not, no jokes. When you're sitting over there and you're feeling the pain and you're downloading a locus into you, you're actually downloading Hashem into the world. He's actually being revealed more in the world. So you're helping, helping the entire world. Not just your family. You're literally helping the world. And that's why it's so difficult. It's hard. It's like, I don't want you to do this. Please. Because downloading a locus is what brings Mashiach. So, uh, yeah, Lechaim, that we should succeed in the most difficult, challenging who brought us up the topic of Sean Bice? How do we get there? Yeah, he had a <laughs> yeah, to run home. Guy had a yeah, she was yelling yeah, at him. He, to he threw us all on the bus. We still didn't <laughs> end by, by, okay, so we, we went to the cave, and then we felt the feeling, and then we brought a sham in. And now Let's summarize, so we have what to walk away with. Back, and we're saying, uh, Let me just summarize like this. When your wife is upset, you want to be able to help her. You want to be able to listen to her with empathy and to mirror her feelings without feeling that, oh my gosh, how am I going to look like if I get divorced? Right? Just to listen without any feeling. Without any self, right, in, in the picture. It's all about you. I'm listening to you. How do you do that? You have to get into a good space yourself. So the avoida is the rivka, right? You feel the feeling of negativity. You identify, you crystallize how you're feeling. And then you ask Hashem to help you and you feel how Hashem is helping you. In simple words, it's called Trachtgut. What does Trachtgut mean? She's screaming at you, you're Trachting Schlecht now, right? You're humiliated, that's Schlecht. Flip it to good. How do you flip it to good? I feel humiliated, Hashem, you're still with me. That's how you flip it to good. It's simple, just hard work. And then Gut becomes good because you're able to walk over to her and to say, Honey, and by the way, you don't need to say it. So I'm clarify this. You don't need to tell her, oh, you look angry. Duh. <laughs> you know what you do? Don't say a word. Do the whole thing with your eyes. With your eyes, feel humiliated. Allow her to feel that way. And then look at her like, Nebuch, you're feeling angry. And I'm so, I'm with you. I'm feeling your pain of anger. 
You know what that is when someone does that for you without even saying a word? Again, you've got to be smart. I'm not telling you to go home and say to your wife, okay, so basically, it sounds like you're feeling angry. It's not that. It's hard work. This is feelings. It's an avoider. Right? But if you look at her and you feel her pain and the anger, she will be your wife and your spouse and your beloved partner forever. Because Eino Isha Karesas Bris Elanamisha saw Kaylee. This is the Kaylee. You make her into a vessel, a receptacle. You actually received her. It's an amazing thing to do. It's like nobody does this. We leave everyone just feeling abandoned and lonely. It's hard work. Now, can you go and tell my wife this whole thing? <laughs> 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 it should be both men and women. Why do they tell the women? Huh? Did I tell this to men? Why do the rabbits tell the women? Oh, he speaks to the women. He, he, he teaches I the women. He teaches men and the women. So he tells yeah. the same thing to the women. You realize that well, he the problem with that It's amazing, by the way. There's yeah. nothing yeah. wrong yeah. if she knows exactly what you're doing. That's what yeah, but what he tells her that if when we scream, they should do that, the same thing that we do? Yeah. So listen to you. Did you yeah, try telling them just not to scream? That would not listen. When you're frustrated, right. Why. Why. Yeah, but the problem is when we don't do when you say when, when you say you're sick, right? You wake up in the morning and say, I'm feeling so, ugh, I'm feeling so lousy. And then your wife says, ouch. Like in a nice way. <laughs> See, this is the problem. But, but, can you imagine that? Ouch, and she feels your pain. How do you feel now? Jump out of bed, ready to go to work. It feels good. See, this is the problem. We don't do that. We have a problem. But when my wife is not doing it, she's okay. Yeah, but then. Okay. <laughs> Someone's got to stop. Someone's got to get the ball rolling. It's hard work. Yes? <laughs> we got to sing a nigga. We didn't sing any nigga here. We're just getting into this whole. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>